coming to you from high atop a carved monument looking out over all of America and the world, it's the Mount Rushmore Podcast. We are Jeff and Richard and Michael. And we are proud to be a top four ranking podcast. And I don't mean that from a popularity standpoint. I mean, we are a podcast where we rank the top four of any given topic. And this episode, the topic is the Mount Rushmore of Thieves. Whose choice was this? It was mine. I have, uh, I am the Prince of Thieves and I'm the King of Thieves Mm. and I'm a thief of hearts. You're also the King of Wishful Thinking. I'm King of Wishful Thinking. Uh, I live fascinated with people who have the audacity to go out and take something that isn't rightfully theirs. And therefore I chose this topic and which of you gents wants to jump into the fray and start off with it. I'll do it. Michael, go for it. What's your first choice in the Mount Rushmore of thieves? I have four categories this whoa, week. Whoa. Bringing back an old school thing from <laughs> way back. back in 2018. I categorically deny uh, that you did that ever before. My four categories are robber, gentleman thief, cat burglar, and a team of thieves. Ooh, I love it. And the first one under robber is Mr. Robin Hood. Oh, Robin Hood. Ooh, my. Leg- Ooh. Legendary... British folk hero. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man about town. Man. <laughs> uh, the great thing about Rob the Robin Hood character and myth. Wait, who's Rob the Robin Hood? Hmm. Okay, sorry. The great thing about Robin Hood, the character, the mythological person, the yeah. maybe there's some roots and that there was a real Robin Hood, is that he was a fox, right? <laughs> yeah. Also a fox. Also look good in yodle, tights. Yodle, 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 yodle. Also, how is there like a Robin Hood movie ever every two and a half years? Yeah. This well that they keep trying to drink water out of, it's like, mm-hmm. let's give it give it a decade. Yeah. But but getting back to it, um, the idea of stealing from the rich to give to the poor is just so delightful. Yeah. And it never stops being it's it's all about like working class versus the the royalty it's it's taking from the people that have been taking too much for too long mm-hmm. and writing these wrongs and like the original you know so it's often that like the the legend of robin hood is kind of lost within like kind of a filmic universe with him coming you know the legend has it or the original stories have him coming back from the crusades yeah and trying to overthrow the evil prince john who is not the real kings, the phony king of England versus, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember who the real king was. It was Richard. King Richard, thank you, uh, who is yet to return. So there's this imposter on the throne. So there's a lot of like just righting wrongs. Yeah. And for to do that within like the, uh, within the bag of, or within like the, a character of a thief is strange because you don't often, when a thief steals from someone poor, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. If someone's held up by gunpoint or your car, your carjacked or whatever, yeah. like that is like a tragic story. When the rich get taken, it's like, yeah, shouldn't have been so rich. Mm-hmm. And I think Robin Hood as a, just a general mythic character fills that kind of feeling inside all of us. It's like, well, you had it coming to you some, yeah. somehow. Do you, and especially when they steal from like evil rich, mm-hmm. that's the worst kind of rich. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're doing that whole graph chart of, like, chaotic rich. Yeah. 
yeah. or whatever, yeah. evil, chaotic. Yeah, nice rich. If he's stealing from nice rich, he <laughs> feel bad. It was stupid. Stealing rich. from Richie Rich. Richie Rich. Oh, you feel you feel boy. kind of you'd feel only you'd still only feel kind of bad. Yeah, especially if it was the Macaulay Culkin version. Yeah, mm-hmm. you steal from him all you'd you want. You'd only feel like, yeah. I mean, the, the kid, he's, yeah. he'll be okay. Is there a favorite uh, Robin Hood for you or, or a pastiche of those? Because I, I can think of objectionable ones like Kevin Costner mm-hmm. or anything that's... I, I didn't see the Russell Crowe Robin Hood from oh, yeah. five, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing it was probably pretty good. Yeah. Even in spite of it being a newer version. Mm-hmm. Who is the, the very classic... Uh, is it Errol Flynn? Errol Flynn. Yeah, you know, I think if you think of Robin Hood, you—that is your image of him yeah. in the tights and the mm-hmm. swing along, swinging along with his merry men and yeah. all of that. But you know, we a bunch of years ago, me and my friend Tim did a Disney bracket, uh-huh. bracketology thing where yeah. we kind of ranked all of our favorite Disney movies and then put it out to people to vote through like Facebook, through like a Facebook group. Yeah. And my, I argued that, uh, no, not even Jungle, uh, uh, Robin Hood, Jungle. I argued that Jungle Book was the best Disney movie. Mm-hmm. He argued that Lion King ultimately oh, was. Okay. But Robin Hood is one of those, the Disney Robin Hood is just wonderful. Yeah. I think it, you know, it Disneyfies all of it, but they, they hit all the important points. When I also think of Robin Hood, I also think of the Monty Python, was it Daniel Moore? Dennis Moore. Dennis I was just going to mention that, yeah. <laughs> the, so if you guys haven't seen the sketch, basically, it's Dennis Moore is a, you know, has a takeoff on Robin Hood, and there's a whole song with him about how he robs from the rich and gives to the poor. And throughout the course of the episode, you keep coming back to him, and eventually the rich people are like completely broke at this point. <laughs> yeah. They have nothing left, left to give them. And he goes back to the poor people who now have like jewels and everything yeah. stacked up all over the place. <laughs> Then he comes to the realization that this isn't right either. So it ends with him trying to work out some sort of yeah. redistribution of wealth among the people that he's <laughs> robbing. So, okay, you take her, his watch, then you give her yeah. that ring. Yeah. Uh, steals from the poor, gives to the rich. <laughs> Stupid right. get Dennis more. Fun. Okay, we're coming out with Robin Hood. Uh, his name says it all. He's Robin you. It's not Robin the Hood, though. Nope. No, he's not. He's giving back to the hood. Uh, so, Richard, what do you got? Uh, my first choice is uh, Bill Mason. Bill Mason was a. We I think we're talking on the on the topic of uh, gentlemen okay. robbers, mm-hmm. and he would say that he was not, but um, he was probably the most successful jewel thief of oh, modern cool. times. Uh-huh. Uh, lived in Cleveland. Um, had a for about twenty five years. He had a uh, just a day job, and convinced his wife that all this money that he was making was through these real estate investments that he had. Turns out that what he was doing was stealing about at least $35 million in jewels over the years. Oh, wow. From rich people, including uh, Phyllis Diller, Bob Hope, Johnny Weissmuller. <laughs> it's a real... Uh, a real who's who of uh, 1960s and 1970s like a, celebrities. It's all, a, these are all people that were on the Globetrotters cartoon yeah. or <laughs> Scooby-Doo as well. does seem like I'll take Paul Lynn for the block. Right. Uh, yeah. And he, he was somebody who, who he, the way he explains it, and he has a, a memoir that came out called Nine Lives, Confessions of a Master Jewel Thief. Mm-hmm. And basically he talks about it as... Not so much he was interested in the money, although the money was nice. Yeah. It was more about the thrill of 
completing the robbery. Yeah. Um, which I think I find fascinating when you think about a lot of kind of the fictional gentlemen thieves. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what one of the recurring themes that you have with them. Yeah. Is they're not necessarily in it for the big score. Right. Mm-hmm. They're in it because of the thrill of the chase yeah. and the thrill of, of executing it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you know, he, you know, talking about how one of the things he realized pretty early on is if you want to get into a rich person's home, climb to their, their, their like balcony. Like if they have like a second floor balcony. Yeah. No one ever locks that. Oh, that's funny. So he would just <laughs> climb up to that and just walk right in. That seems like standard uh, David Niven Pink Panther stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. And he would, uh, he would, he, he would um, get the like Palm Beach newspapers to find out who the rich people were and if they were talking about them planning any trips. Oh, wow. So he would know that they would be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, he would, you know, stake out celebrities and get their, their timing of when they left mm-hmm. and when they came and yeah. whenever they were gone. This guy, know, he'd this, pop in. This guy sounds uh, like kin to my next pick. Okay. But, um, very interesting that uh, I think we're along the same page. Yeah, and he lived like this total double double life. First, he was in, in Cleveland, and then he was in Florida, and that's when he robbed most of the famous people because mm-hmm. there's no famous people in Cleveland no, anymore. No, Now that LeBron's left. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he basically just told his – he had like a total normal suburban life. Yeah. You know, took his kids to soccer games, and, you know, was married. And like I said, convinced his wife that – all this money he was making for some of these investment deals and this, these real estate deals that he was yeah. making. And she never knew. Was he ever caught? Yeah, he was eventually caught. Uh, he got caught I think a they couple all of get times. Caught. Eventually, yeah. I love that he has, yeah, through this investment deal, I got this Bob Hope diamond neck. <laughs> uh, you know, Bob, Bob Hope bought, bought, bought some bought, property yeah. for me and just gave yeah. me a necklace. I got this Phyllis Diller uh, jewel, jewelry set. Yeah. What's your second one, Michael? Uh, mine is a cat burglar. Uh, Known as the th- super thief. Known as Cat Burglar. That's, super his, that's thief. her name. I love uh, it. The super thief, uh, Jack McLean. Uh, he uh, was a cat burglar in the 70s and 80s in Florida. And he stole upwards of around $133 million right on. in uh, jewels and yeah. money and property from people. But he was very meticulous. He never left any... Uh, he worked alone. Mm-hmm. He never left any clue... Any um. Fingerprints. Okay. Uh, if he like broke in using a uh, an alarm, uh-huh. he'd reset the alarm okay. back to its original okay. setting, wow. so it didn't look like anyone was there. And um, he was just this guy with this crazy IQ mm-hmm. that was ultimately uh, taken down because he worked with someone. Oh, on okay. one on one uh, on one job late in his career, his some, super, some guy, his no, super thief cat burglar career. Ah, uh, hi. My and that person turned to me. My in. name is Stupid Thief. You want a partner? <laughs> I'm not sure. So that per- person uh, ratted on. Yeah. Wow. He, he was caught. And then, you know, ultimately the gig, that, that's what ultimately happens with a lot of these yeah. people. You get a little sloppy, maybe not within the job itself, but with the people that you work with. Wow. Uh, he was the type of cat burglar that would leave notes for the police, though, too. Wow. Um, there was one incident where... Uh, he robbed a house that was right next to a police station mm-hmm. and left a note that said something to the effect of, glad to see you guys are doing your job. <laughs> Feels like something out of uh, uh, The Simpsons. Yeah, I was going to say Chief Wiggum just shows up. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe. Yeah. That, um, but he went to jail and wrote a book called Super Thief. 
Oh, wow. And basically, t- it was a book about how to protect yourself from people like me. Oh, I got to get this book. Which Ooh. feels very much like, um, what was the Leonardo DiCaprio? The catch Me If You Can. Catch Me the, If You Can, sort of. Yeah. The, the thief becomes the person that's mm-hmm. helping out to stop people like him. Yes. That it was one of our Borglum bag suggestions. Oh, was it? Really? Catch me if you can. Fra- uh, Frank Abagnale Jr. Was that one of yours? No. No. Oh. But I, I, I know we talked about him in the past. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Con, in terms of con men. So. Yeah. That's right. Con men. Yeah. He was um, a, in that he stole money from banks, uh, ultimately by uh, um, beginning his uh, uh, thievery forgery. The beginning as a forger of, ch- of checks. So Frank, Frank Abagnale Jr., uh, forged checks, and he also, uh, one of the reasons that he uh, pretended to be a pilot <laughs> was that he needed to go to different places to mail the checks farther away from where they, so that it would take two days to mail to their to mm-hmm. their location. So, I uh, do, I, I appreciate the, the thief that's just in it just to steal money. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, God bless him. Yeah, uh, I should also say um, Frank Abagnale Jr. was a suggestion, and I believe it was from James Walker, uh, listener James Walker in front of the podcast. So thank you, James, for suggesting that. You so, know, I don't... This ahead. is a new thing that you're introducing, right? Yeah. You're, where you're like... Listener crowd, suggestion. Listener crowd suggestion. Crowdsourcing. Crowd yeah. Thank you, listeners, for getting under the skin yeah, thanks, of listeners. our uh, participants I'm here. all bristly now. This is a dialogue mm. between you and us and our participants. So, Richard, what's your second choice? All right. My second choice is, I had mentioned, a real-life gentleman robber. So I thought I would also include the prototype fictional gentleman robber. And that is Danny Ocean. Oh, cool. From the Ocean's Eleven mm. movie franchise. Yeah. Um, originally played by Frank Sinatra, uh, later in the Steven Soderbergh uh, load of Huey. No, nah, it's not really. They're actually yeah. good movies. Um, played by uh, George Clooney. And you just can't have, first off, you're casting the coolest person in the 1960s yeah. as the coolest you know, Las Vegas robber. Yeah. And then you get on to the 2000s and you're casting the coolest person alive, yeah. non-Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, edition as this totally cool guy. I mean, so you're going to get a totally cool with it, idealized gentleman robber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like both. I like both sets of movies. I actually really love the original Sinatra Rat Pack version, you know, partially because I'm just a, a, a whore for anything retro like that. Yeah. Um, and I just, I you know, I, I started thinking about all these, uh, Different types of, you know, Cary Grant into Catch a Thief or, you know, some of these other, mm-hmm. the Thomas Crown Affair, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think I was attracted to Danny Ocean because I think he is that mix. We talked about, you know, some, some of these gentlemen robbers who are really in it more for the thrill. Yeah. And then you've got people who are really in it for the cash. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of a mix of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun knowing also that the, Sinatra feels like somebody who his attitude about the world is he's kind of in to cash cash in on things. Yeah, I'm here to have fun. Right. And it's all about this guy, you know, and and also with the mob connections or his aspire aspiring alleged. alleged mob connections, you have a feeling like uh he, he off off camera might have been, you know, Jilly or somebody who was like his friend who was in the in, right. the, in the mob. So yeah, so it does seem like he was one step removed, and it's also fun to hear about. Uh, 
you know, them performing in Vegas at night. Right, and then and going off to make the movie yeah, during the day. Yeah, going to the movie of the day, and, like, they get one take tops, and the director, you know, then Sinatra says, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Film with Peter Lawford for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm go, go, gone, baby. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, and I like, I, I'll say this, I liked the Ocean, the first Ocean's Eleven movie, mm-hmm. the Clooney one, a lot. Yeah. The quality kind of gets a little, yeah, starts to slip a little bit in the, the second, I guess, third one. I saw the, f- I think I saw the first two. I didn't see the third one. I can't count that high. Yeah, that's true. Okay, we are at our halftime, and I want to invite you listeners to um, go on to iTunes, go on to Stitcher, go out to iHeartRadio, go out to Spotify, and listen to our past episodes and give us a rating wherein you give us the most of all the thing. If it's uh, 10 hats, give us a, a a nine and a half hat rating at least if it's four out of five yelp um uh picante icons or something uh give us all all that you can we we would appreciate that and then leave a review if you want to tell us what episodes you liked what you uh like about the podcast we'd certainly certainly appreciate that and also we want to ask you to tune in to next week's episode where we are going to be discussing the Mount Rushmore of breaking the fourth wall. Um, that's what we'll be talking about. Next yeah. Week. Yeah. Excited for that one. Uh, we have, you'll, if you're new to this podcast, you'll kind of learn that we have some kind of esoteric uh, subjects that we deliberate here and we are willing to be open to taking your suggestions as for a suggestion for a topic. And you can give us that suggestion through our social media handles, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on all those things, and you can search Mount Rushmore Podcast and find us on those handles. And, and make sure you make sure you see our drawings of our dumb faces when you look, because there's imposter. Oh, the po- imposter. Mount Rushmore Podcast. Have we done Mount Rushmore from imposters yet? Yes. Okay. I think oh, a couple times. A couple times. Yeah, I feel, yeah. Like, I feel like it's there hard to say. We've done imposters, con men, this one thieves, <laughs> shysters. I mean, we started off this Hucksters. season really on like a. A sinister note as well, <laughs> post-apocalyptic or, or the end of civilization and thieves. Yeah. So we are all three of us wearing straw boaters, and uh, <laughs> we have packed suitcases that we could uh, pick up and run for the railroad at any moment. So for ninety-nine trombone. So at, uh, we would love for you to um, fo- follow future episodes, suggest future episodes, and do the podcasting world in general a favor and support other podcasts. And here's one you can support. Hi, true crime fans. I'm Erin. And I'm Shay. We host All Crime No Cattle, a conversational podcast which focuses on true crime stories from the Lone Star State. We strive to bring you a balanced and well-researched story about Texas cases big and small. We do the research so you don't have to. We also end every episode with a good news story, just to remind everyone that real life isn't quite as depressing as true crime can make it out to be. New episodes drop every Thursday, and you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All crime, no cattle, because crime is bigger in Texas, y'all. And we is back. We are deliberating the Mount Rushmore of Thieves. Uh, it has been a really exciting deliberation, and we are ready for Michael's third. My third choice. Richard just brought it up. What uh, the heck? Oh. Thomas Crown from the Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, I love, I've never seen the original, but I love the 1999 version uh-huh. with Pierce Brosnan yeah. and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, Rene Rousseau and right. to an even lesser extent, Dennis Leary. <laughs> oh, okay. I think there's just one good cast member and okay. the rest of it kind of goes downhill. Yeah. But I love 
this is my this is under my uh, gentleman thief. Oh, cool. You know, Thomas Crown in it is like this executive magnate, mm-hmm. ultra millionaire mm-hmm. who um, ultimately steals all these famous little works of art from uh, a New York uh, museum. Yeah, and he does it in a very ingenious way. You know, to start the film, he has a second uh, burglary mm-hmm. go on. Oh, while he's doing his. While he's doing his. You know, that's like the, the faint burglary. Yeah. That there's, those people get caught while he's actually doing his real work. Mm-hmm. And um, I like, you know, it's a cat and mouse sort of thing yeah. between this person that's doing it, like, also like Richard said, just kind of for the thrill of it. He obviously mm-hmm. doesn't need the money. He could buy these paintings if he wanted to. But yeah. what what is the... That's not obviously important to him. Like, the money's mm-hmm. not important. It's the act of doing it and the yeah. act of well, how can I get away with this which is pretty uh, just interesting uh, very clever in how they replicate paintings and replace yeah. paintings and pretend like they've never really stolen them mm-hmm. in the first place just uh, just very well done I think this is Pierce Brosnan's best role On I'm trying to think of something else that he's been better at um, he's better at this than as a Bond I thought he was a pretty good Bond. So did I. Like he was, you know, he was definitely the more actiony, mm-hmm. wise cracking sort of guy. But this, I think, really captured him. Where I don't know, you could, I, I, it was very believable. Just, yeah. I. Oh yeah, that's him. I. Mm-hmm. I. It wouldn't. You couldn't put me. Pa- it wouldn't put me past me if he was actually this guy. Yeah. In real life. He's. He is an amazing. Uh, almost like mannequin to drape on these characters starting with like Remington Steel <laughs> to mm. Bond uh, there was I think it was the uh, the Matador is another film where he's playing like a uh, spy, spy. Yeah. or something yeah. yeah yeah he just has this incredibly uh, e- even attractive face but also these kind of lines in that face now that he's earned over the years that give him all this character mm-hmm. amazing character so that's a great choice the doing it to do it I think is you know mm-hmm. we've talked about those that that rob for a purpose, either for yeah. monetary need, but just right. the thrill. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's me, 43. Hey, How y'all doing? What's up, Dub? I, how's it going? Hey, you want, who wants a peanut? You want a peanut? Let's oh, hop sure. some barbecue. Watch out, don't choke on that. Uh, You've had uh, issues with that before, so I'm a little <laughs> concerned, Mr. President. Heard y'all talking about people stealing stuff. Oh. Yeah, yeah. thieves. Yeah. I know a little bit about that myself. Uh-huh. I copied a guy's uh, uh, test in, at Yale. That's right. Just one? Just one. Uh, throughout the whole year, he was there. <laughs> all his tests. You just, you just gave this. Yeah. As part of Skull and Bones, did, yeah. were you just allowed to give That's the right. same test over and over and over? Just, That's it, what it you did. You just accepted yeah. it? That's what it did. I, I went and whatever he enrolled in, I enrolled in it. Did you bring the same test to like the Coast Guard or the Air Force or same whatever? Guy. Same, same guy. Same guy. I just, you know, whatever he did, I did. That's right. And then uh, us, uh, I got to be 43. By stealing the election. That's right. That's right. And, you know, college is a theme for me because the Electoral College is how I got got to, to be president, right? Right. Because a popular vote, who won it? Other guy. Other guy, not I, me. I don't even remember I his don't name. I don't remember his name. <laughs> Doesn't matter, does it? This is the best George W. Bush impersonation you're ever going to hear. <laughs> it's A+. Plus. Spot on. A+. Plus. Wait, George, were yeah. you doing a George W. Bush? Is that doing what, an that's why? That's right. You were trying to do yourself, and you just have to. This is my real voice. 
Yeah, I've, you wouldn't have got elected if you used no, your real voice. I've felt my whole life if I spoke how I actually spoke, people wouldn't take me seriously. It's not folksy. It's no. It's like something out of, of know, Mice and Men. Yeah, it's like a cartoon like gorilla or something, or, de- or like a depressive schmoo or something like that. <laughs> like, like a mushroom in a... In a Bible story or something. Or Ralph Bashke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ralph mushroom, Bashke, mushroom character. Should I talk like this? I gotta go. All right. Yeah. Adios. Peace out. I gotta, I gotta paint some paintings. <laughs> hey, guys. What's up? Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. You just missed it. George W. Bush was doing a George W. Bush impersonation. It was wild. Wait, so on this it was podcast, we've had past presidents. I mean, I'm never here, but past presidents. But he's alive. Right. Yeah, oh. it was it wasn't his ghost. Oh, I don't wow. think so. It was an astral projection or or something like that. I believe he went into like a deep him. meditative state, which is just his state generally when he was president. <laughs> just his eyes went blank all over. <laughs> Dick Cheney was took his hand out from under from behind him, stopped manu- moving oh, his hand. The Dick Cheney of the Emperor Palpatine of Dick Cheney allowed him to be a Luke Skywalker force projection and be here. Do you think? Yes. Anyhow, okay. Hey, Matt Mercer, a vice president, so we got to do that one. We'll write that down. Okay, what's your third, uh, Richard? All right, my third choice is Ronnie Biggs, one of the uh, one of the conspirators and thieves from uh, involved in the great train robbery from 1963. Hey, that's my fourth pick, just the entire team of thieves behind okay. the great train robbery. Okay. I've ah. just got the one, so I don't know if that counts as a shared. We might need, might need a ruling on this from Jeff. Is that a... I think it's shared because... They they did the same they thing. They did the same thing. Yeah. They're associated with that heist or with that robbery. So. Yeah. So in 1963, uh, they robbed a Royal Mail train heading from Glasgow to London and were able to steal 2.6 million pounds. Wow. Yeah. And several of the members got away with it and, and absconded to, at least Reynolds did, I know for sure, mm-hmm. and went to Mexico. Um, but Ronnie Biggs um, wound up getting caught and captured. Mm-hmm. Wound up getting sent to prison for supposed to be thirty years, I think. And was he the one that escaped? He's the one that escaped hmm. um, a couple of years later, in nineteen sixty-five. They he literally just put a rope ladder over a wall, or someone threw a ro- rope ladder over a wall. Yeah, and that's, he climbed the wall and just got got like, in a van and got out. That's like in a Reese's commercial or something. <laughs> yeah, like. you know. well, it's England. They don't have guns. What are they going to do? Hey, stop or bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. <laughs> what are they going to do, you know? Um, so he wound up going to Belgium, uh, sent his wife a note to say, meet me in Paris. He went to Paris, had extensive plastic surgery to change the look of his face, hmm. um, moved to Australia and lived there for uh, several years until, and at one point he was living in Melbourne, working as a set constructor for the, their one of their local new, uh, TV stations. Oh, wow. And found out watching that station's news that, police suspected that he was in Milburn and that Interpol was after him. Oh, wow. was on their way. So he hightails it out of there and goes to uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. And he winds up living in Brazil for like something like 30, 30 some odd years. So Ronnie Biggs winds up moving to Brazil, divorces his wife, marries a Brazilian woman. There's no extradition treaty between Brazil and oh. England, which is why all the Nazis are still there, mm-hmm. allegedly. Um and so he winds up living there for like 30 years, his like out in the say, open. His ex well, she, they even if she says he's there, they can't. They crack can't do anything. Okay, I mean, okay. he was living out in the open. Yeah. Um, and also, he had because he had 
had a child with his Brazilian-born wife that gave him basically Brazilian oh, citizen okay. status, sort okay. of. And he became this kind of the most infamous uh, ex-con or con, I think certainly in the 70s and 80s, once he sort of came out of hiding in Brazil, to the point that he's featured in the uh, Sex Pistols' uh, Great Rock and Roll Swindle. Oh, wow. They go and visit him. Steve Jones and mm-hmm. uh, Paul Cook go to visit him in... Uh, in Brazil, they hang out with him, get his story, and then they have him to be lead singer for two songs <laughs> that they were working on. Uh, one of them went to number seven in the uh, on the British singles charts. I love it. That's cool. Um, eventually, in the last years of his life, he returned to England voluntarily, mm-hmm. was put into prison, uh, was released on uh, health for health reasons, yeah. died a few years ago. But, I mean, he... he, he he didn't quite get away with it. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was able to avoid life. the punishment. He certainly looked like he was living a good life in Brazil, and he sort of used his notoriety to his mm-hmm. advantage. Mm-hmm. Even though he completely screwed up his part of what he was supposed to do, uh, they were supposed to. They had they had they were working with a uh, retired, and maybe you have this in your section, but mm-hmm. they were working with a retired. Uh, train engineer Mm -hmm. who was supposed to at one point take the train and move it but it turns out it was an electric uh train and he hadn't been he hadn't worked on a train in like 25 years he He didn't realize that they you know technology advances Uh yeah so he didn't really didn't know how it turns out he didn't know how to work this train oh god so basically the the mastermind just told him and the train conductor just go wait in the car Mm -hmm. and they just sent him out to the car Uh to go wait well like like there were kids who got Uh in trouble so Ronnie wasn't the train guy. Ronnie no, no, Ronnie. Guy. Ronnie was the guy who was supposed to be like helping, helping with oh, the train okay. guy. Okay. Yeah, I love the um, actual robbery itself, mm-hmm. where it was a disgruntled postal worker, which yeah, you can start almost every story with yeah. that. Who kind of had this insider knowledge of uh, how the money is moved and how yeah. much money is moved. And you know, we talked about Ocean's Eleven, the the Soderbergh movie earlier. Right. And the reason why this was so interesting or such a good heist was because there was a bank holiday that Monday. Mm -hmm. So the normal amount of money that is being carried uh, on this train wasn't the 300,000 pounds. It was this 2.6 or 3 million pounds. It was like 10 times as much as a normal job, which reminds me of Ocean's Eleven, where they have to carry more money because it's a fight night. Oh, okay. So I I love the real... Uh, you know, the fictional version of this uh-huh. taking from a real event of like, oh, just wait until this, you know, the pot's been mm-hmm. increased a little bit. So uh, he works with a kind of a team of thieves, and the team was called the, uh, let's see, the Southwest Gang. But the Southwest Gang... Sounds like they should be like a, a, a posse after them or something. Yeah. Or they should get frequent flyer miles. Yeah. The Southwest Gang <laughs> di- was not experienced with robbing trains. They only rob Adobe <laughs> buildings with uh, Coco Pelle. Okay. Uh, so they had to team up with the South Coast Raiders. Oh, wow. So two teams uh-huh. of uh, you know thieves kind of got together to perform this wow. thing where they broke in. They uh, ultimately moved one part of the train down another set of tracks. They jury-rigged some stoplights. So it's kind of like when Run DMC teamed with uh, Aerosmith. It's oh, the yeah. exact same thing. I'm going to look principle. in my notes. It is not that mm-hmm. in any way. But they moved this money off, and they went into hiding. And what 
I love about the story is that they do the thing that everybody would do, normal people would do, is with all this tremendous amount of money, they sat down and played a game of Monopoly. Yes. Oh. With real money. With they real really money. They really did. <laughs> they did the thing that people dream of. Uh-huh. And um, ultimately, these pieces uh, are in some sort of museum now. Uh-huh. Oh, that's hilarious. And that's uh, also one of the ways that the police were able to catch them uh-huh. because they were so they had, someone was supposed to burn down the uh, barn or farm that uh-huh. they were living at, and the guy screwed it up and didn't do it. And they were able to lift fingerprints off the Monopoly pieces. That's part of the oh, trouble is there's too many pieces. There was like 15, 17, 18 people involved in this robbery, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. the guy that you mentioned. Right. And like, you know, all it takes is one person to screw yeah. it up. Yeah. That's why it's better to work alone if you're a thief. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Pro, pro tip, kids. <laughs> I can't plan a, br- a brunch and have it kind of work flawlessly. Mm. So, um, uh, yeah, it's amazing. This, uh, this was a good, this was a film, right? This was like. No, you're thinking of the 1970s Michael Crichton adapted book that was based on the 1800s uh, oh. Great Gold Robbery, which oh, was yeah. another British. Oh, train robbery that okay. had like um sean connery and donald sutherland right great movie great book but it oh. was but that was based on another actual historical train robbery uh-huh. so what we're saying is if you if if, if you are in england rob a train rob it there's Easy. a decent chance you can get yeah. away with it yeah uh so richard am i right that you will now tell us your last i will tell one? you okay. Our, okay. i will tell you my last okay. one and her name is Carmen Sandiego. Uh, oh, my God. It was on my short list. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Loved this game growing up. And, of course, she was an international mastermind theft thief. Oh, I didn't know. I've never seen Carmen Sandiego, so I thought she was just like a travel figure or something. like Travel agent? She would, travel she agent. Travel agent just had to figure out where she was. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, where's Waldo or something? No, when you play the game, you are um, an Interpol, a rookie Interpol agent. Oh. And I played it today, by the way, in, in, in prepping for this game. It's still fun. Hmm. Is it? Okay. I mean, it's a little less fun now because originally the game came with like a world atlas mm-hmm. and you had to do the reset, like flip through pages and, oh, and actually do the work awful. to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I was just able to Google all of the clues. <laughs> yeah. This flag is red, white, and blue with with a you know a 50, yeah, on it. fifty stars and thirteen stripes. <laughs> yes, Richard, where is that one? Uh, Liberia. There Liberia. you go. Yeah. Um, so you're you're a rookie Interpol agent, and you are casing. You're you're trying to find Carmen Sandiego eventually, and members of her her vile, I think, is what they were called, V I L E, uh, gang of international thieves oh. who would steal things like the Staten Island ferry. Or somehow the international dateline. Oh. Or things like that. Yeah. The the high, banks high of the Nile. concept thieves. Yeah. They're not after diamonds and jewels. It's like, can we steal the concept of happiness? Yeah. I don't kind know. kind of hipster. Yeah. yeah, they're basically dementors, mm-hmm. Michael. <laughs> um, I, I, I liked, I, you know, I was, as I was thinking about this one, I, I don't think I've ever played the game. Really? I, I Huh. It just missed for me. It just yeah. I, like yeah, you might have been a little too young growing up. I just I just didn't get it. And then by the time it was on like Nickelodeon as like mm-hmm. a game show, I just I didn't yeah. have Nickelodeon. But I like where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Boom. I like that it was Rockapella that did the theme song. <laughs> I just remember that. Oh. That's all I. I like that they that like they had to create this you know really deep fictional backstory for this Carmen Sandiego yeah. character who was like an ex member of Interpol who oh. had gotten bored with the lifestyle and mm-hmm. had to move on and created evil vile what was vile it? vile yeah in order to you know fulfill her own 
needs of like proving how smart she, like you know cl- yeah. classic supervillain stuff yeah stealing yeah. all the sushi from japan not oh. all of it all of it what are they gonna but what? The, the, with her uh with her uh, team that include include people like heart hardly worth it rob m blind mm. ruth less they always had these pun names this on This is like a first edit of a game your dad would come up with for like a slumber party or something like that. <laughs> right. This was the depth of this stuff. And these, what, these, are, these are the names on the cardboard tombstones my dad would put out on Halloween on yeah. our lawn. You know, here lies Lester Moore. Yeah. Died from the bullet of a 44. No yeah. less, no more. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's about that level of yeah. writing. But and I just, a, I, a Latin uh, villain. Right. Yeah, it's got to be a Hispanic person. I, of course. Yeah. I just remember that as a kid, I'd be, I was, when this came out, I was nine, so I would have been, this probably would have been fourth or fifth, I think fourth, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, used to, I used to go over to a teacher's classroom at, right after school, my friend and I, and this is not going to get sexy at all, by the way, <laughs> um, and we would play that she had the game on, one of the, on her class computer, yeah. and she would let us come by and play the game while she was grading tests or whatever. Yeah. And so we would just spend hours there just wow. looking up yeah. facts about ne- ne- Nepal or, yeah. or you know Portugal or something like that. Yeah, I'm still pretty good at ID- IDing matching flags to countries. Oh, based, is that cool? Just from this that. game. Yeah. yeah. So it was ed- it, it was it was educational for me, and it was a lot of fun. It was like the first it's the first video game I remember being like a real educational type video uh-huh. game that was fun that wasn't like you're shooting numbers. It's yeah math wars. Yeah, something dumb like that. Yeah. Well, right on. Cool. So uh, those are all great choices. And we flirted with, that is right, since didn't uh, he, Mine we both great train robbers. Oh, yeah, you're right. He, you robbed his I robbed his pick, yeah. But he did uh, illuminate a little bit more of the, the robbery. Um, uh, so uh, thank you for giving such great uh, choices. The uh, audience also gave us some great choices. Uh, the first one um was a fictional or fictitious one like you, Anderson Dadu chose. That's how you say his friend name, right? Yeah, Anderson, our mm-hmm. friend Anderson from Kickball and all the other fun things that he does that we do from life. From life, chose Aladdin, and basically said, if you don't pick Aladdin, you're a jerk. So Let's hear that, Michael? There's an Aladdin. Jerk. I heard that you are the jerk. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Ryan McNicholas chose Benjamin Gates, who stole the U.S. Constitution. Maybe oh, that was one you guys had flirted with, but yeah, we from talked a about, national yeah. treasure. Last week. Yeah. yeah, there were two people, Tom Gibbous and James Walker, who suggested Vincenzo Perugia, who stole the Mona Lisa. Oh yeah, I did. I did some research on this guy. He just basically walked out with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just walked. Had out. it in his house for like three years. Yeah, his apartment, and uh, and then oh, and he wanted. I'm gonna take this right now. I'm gonna now. take it in as a painting. Um, what's the she smiling about? I don't know. What's the secret? I'm going to find out. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. <laughs> Waluigi comes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank Abagnale Jr. So those were the, uh, we're really grateful for the listeners or supporters of the podcast to suggest those. So um going to wing it with some choices here. I thought Super Chief, uh, Super Thief Jack McLean was really colorful and interesting. Um, I really thought uh, the you so that's a point for there each two, two points two points yeah okay oh that's right so that's your second one um, in the first category uh, I'll go with Bill Mason so Bill Bill Mason gets the one uh, yeah. Jack McLean gets the two 
And you each get the three for the great train robbery. And then the four is going to be, well, I guess it's the last. That was your four, wasn't it? Great train robbery. That was my fourth, but Richard chose Ronnie Britt Biggs. Okay. So that bumped my four to a three. Okay. So you can choose a fourth one from okay. any of the remaining. Uh, fourth, I'm going to go with, um, we'll never find her. At least we can talk about her. Carmen San Diego. This has been the Mount Rushmore of Thieves. Next episode is the Mount Rushmore of Breaking the Fourth Wall. Please tune in for that. Uh, thank you, all the listeners who suggested suggestions. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of uh, Thieves. I, as always, am Jeff. Hey, who's... Oh, where's shoot. my mic? Where's your mic? Where's my pants? Guys? Uh, this is Richard. I'm Michael. <laughs>